is Cincinnati Edition on 91.7 WVXU. I'm Lucy May. Covington is considering a crackdown on unlicensed short-term rentals in the city. The Covington City Commission was expected to vote February 28th on an ordinance to increase penalties on short-term rental landlords, but the commission decided to amend the ordinance. Now that vote could happen on March 14th. Joining me now to discuss Covington's efforts to regulate short-term rentals are Covington Mayor Joe Meyer. Welcome back, Mayor Meyer. Good to be here, Lucy. Muter Gattis, Neighborhood Association President, Brandon Gallus. Thanks for being here, Brandon. Hey, thanks for inviting me. Airbnb owner and operator Alden Ashby. Welcome, Alden. Thank you. Good to be here. And Airbnb owner and operator Kelsey Smith. Thanks for being here, Kelsey. Thank you. You can join the conversation by calling 513-419-7100 or emailing talk at wvxu.org. Mayor, let's start with you. Can you start out by explaining the city's concerns and why the city decided to enact this six-month moratorium in December, and then also where we are with this whole proposed amendment? The uh, city has licensed uh, short-term rentals for about three years now, and um, uh, what we have found is that uh, short-term rentals uh, can be both an asset and a liability. And over the course of time, we've gotten a lot of complaints from residents in the various neighborhoods and had some experiences with short-term rentals that uh, were, were very uh, problematic. So when we were looking at our licensure scheme, we found that Covington has issued about 43 licenses. And through our research uh, of availability th- through the various platforms, there are over 400 short-term rental uh, rentals that are being advertised uh, is available in the city of Covington. So clearly our regulatory scheme was not working. And when you couple that with the number of complaints that we've got from uh, neighborhoods all across the city, uh, we felt that it was just uh, time to take a time out. Uh, prior to uh, imposing the six-month moratorium, uh, the city had made several efforts to uh, encourage uh, uh, operators to step up and and get licensed uh, through our city email distribution list, our announcements at, at city commissions meetings and whatnot. And again, the uh, response was was poor. So uh, due to the variety of complaints, we felt it best just to take a six-month time out so that uh, not license anybody new, so that we could then review the entire regulatory scheme, uh, take into consideration a more thorough analysis of the benefits and problems that we're dealing with and come up with a scheme that uh, better regulates, solves the problems, while still allowing short-term rentals to to operate. And when you say a number of complaints, have you all quantified that at all in terms of how many complaints you've gotten and, you know? No, we don't, we don't have a master list of complaints, but uh, there is a, a sufficient number that caused us first to ask what's going on then to try to encourage more people to, to get properly licensed. And, and finally, even with that, uh, the, the complaints continued. So we just had to put a halt to it so we could understand our problems better. So question about the, these complaints. You know, one thing I think it's important is how many of these are actually unique complaints? Because there is a difference between the neighbor that lives next door and they're annoyed with you and then they just call back to back to back to back to back versus you are getting multiple calls from people in the surrounding areas all about it. And then two, when it comes to these complaints, is this one or two 
Airbnbs or is this, oh, we're getting complaints across the board against a bunch of Airbnbs because two bad operators in a city full of 294 Airbnbs can set a very bad tone when really it's like by and large, most of these operators are doing it by the T and they're following the rules. To which I say simply, it's clear that most of the operators are not following the rules because we have 400 that are not licensed compared to 43 who are, and, and plus the uh, complaints have come from across the city. So we've had big party house problems on Covington Avenue, on, on Bakewell Street, on Jefferson Street, I think in Monte Cassino. So they've been distributed uh, uh, throughout the city. So how many homes is that? Like as far as where these parties are happening, like do you guys know the addresses? I'd assume with these callers calling in, you would know exactly which addresses we're, we're having these parties that are causing these neighborhood disruptions. I think if we made a, the lightest, slightest bit of effort, we could identify those homes. I think that would I be do a wanna, great I wanna, idea. Yeah, and I want to keep us moving on this conversation. Kelsey, let me ask you, are, is your property licensed? Have you gone through that process? We have submitted our um, applications for the proper way to become licensed with zoning and the permits, um, but we don't currently have that opportunity to become compliant. There is a group of 35 of us hosts that are seeking that opportunity. We want to collaborate. We want to become compliant. We're just looking for the avenues to be able to do that and move forward. Gotcha. And how long had you been a host? Um, I mean, I guess I wonder, did you just become a host during this moratorium period? How come you hadn't applied kind of earlier mm -hmm. during your business? Yes, we were unaware of the process that is supposed to take place. There's been mentions of multiple attempts to get operators to become compliant, but until this moratorium, there was no communication heard or found um, that there is a process to go through. So just adding to her point, um, there's 44 of us on a Facebook uh, short-term rental page. Out of those 44 members, it sounds like there's probably three of us there that are fully registered. The other ones, the first contact they ever received from the city was the notice that they are in non-compliance, and this was after the moratorium was already in place, and that was the first communication from the city. To just second that, um, I spoke to Ed Feldman. He operates Neat Suites. They're the largest operator in the city. And he just said, you know, I, I just called him and asked him, I said, has there been any communication to you about the moratorium, these issues? And he's like, "This no, this has completely caught us off guard. You know, one of the th things that, you know, this is really affecting Ed because their opportunity to grow is completely killed by this moratorium. So, and I think that's kind of strange that the largest operator who probably has the most solutions, who's dealt with a lot of these issues because he doesn't want parties in his units because, you know, his owners are going to get furious with him. There's a lot of expensive furniture in this place, in these places. And Ed Feldman said, you know, I want to work with the city as much as you guys, but we've received no communication from them. So if we do, you know, he just said, keep me posted. Yeah. Are you, are, are your properties registered? Mine are also not registered. And what, I thought I saw you quoted in an article that you had tried to get registered, but you mm -hmm. felt like the process was complicated. So Can you talk to us about I that? I couldn't find one page, like just like a pamphlet. What I love about the Cincinnati side of the river is they're just like, here's how you get registered. It's a step-by-step thing. There isn't any confusion about it. It's you have one fee here, you pay it, you get your registered license. On the other side, you have to go to, um, so first of all, you got to go to zoning. Then you have to get a, um, 
I forget what it's called, but it's basically it's it's you get a permit to operate as an Airbnb. Then you got to go to another department, and then they also you got to pay a fee there. So there's multiple departments, and when you call the other department, they only know kind of partially their side, and then they bounce you to the other department, and they bounce you back. So when I initially tried, this was all the way back at the very beginning of 2022, which I did start the process then. And after getting bounced around three times, I just, my last email was, well, I'm very confused about this. Like, once you guys have a pamphlet or a succinct way to do it, let me know, and I'm happy to comply. Mayor, have you, as part of this moratorium to kind of figure out the process and whether things need to be improved in the, the registration process or the licensure process? From our end, we don't think the, the registration process or the licensure process is very complicated at all. So what is it? Can you let the mayor finish, please? Yes. The fee for a license is $30 per unit with a maximum of $150. So if somebody has 10 units, it still is $150. Now, to get licensed, you need to have a zoning permit, which is everybody knows when they operate a business, they need to have a zoning permit. And if they're doing improvements to their building, they need to get a building permit. And in order to get a building permit, you have to have a zoning permit. Covington took the, the broad uh, approach of not outlawing uh, short-term rentals through most of the city, as many other cities have done. We took the approach instead in, uh, by saying in most of the city, uh, a short-term rental, a non-host occupied short-term rental would be a conditional use. So uh, applicants have to apply for a conditional use permit through the zoning department. So they get that. Then they get the $30 license, and they're free to go. Brandon, I want to come to you. We haven't heard from you yet. Uh, talk to us about what the situation is like as a resident. How have you been, how have you seen short-term rentals affect your neighborhood in, in both positive and negative ways? Sure. So um, short-term short rentals represent a uh, unique opportunity for the city to grow. I mean, Covington's going through a massive resurgence. Right now we're seeing old houses getting rehabbed. We're seeing new residents come in. We're seeing people rent them out short-term, long-term, uh, owner-operated, and uh, and all that kind of thing. So what what we see as residents is uh, an overall just a community erosion that's occurring. And we see just like two dense of Airbnbs that kind of come into certain pockets of popularity. And a lot of people feel that they're seeing fewer and fewer people on their street. And those people that are doing short-term rentals are obviously not participating in community growth. They're experiencing the community and they're contributing to the local economy, but they're not contributing to like the neighborhood experience and the efforts that all the different neighborhoods go to maintaining the area. And it's just a really, it it's really difficult because a lot of people have been in the city for a long time and they've seen the worst of Airbnbs and they've seen the best of Airbnbs. And there's representation on both of them, whether they're local investors or if they are national investor organizations, there's good examples and bad examples on either side. And I think overall, um, most owners go into it with the intention that they don't want, they want to have a compliant and uh, friendly neighbor uh, short-term rental. They're not opening it to have parties in their organizations, but they do occur. And both the organizations that host these short-term rentals, as well as the owners themselves go to lengths to try and limit it, but it still happens. And that's the biggest concern. Mm. We do have a caller on the line. Eric, thanks so much for your call. What is your question or comment? If you could keep it brief, because we've got lots to cover. 
Happy to. My name's Eric Haberthier, and I run the Greater Cincinnati Airbnb Owners Association. I heard that you were having this conversation today, and I thought I would call in to simply suggest that, as has been mentioned earlier, Cincinnati's been through this process. We started around 2017 with a lot of engagement with city council, with the county, with the buildings department, with a lot of community councils. And a lot of these conversations that I'm hearing now with Mayor Meyer and the other people involved in this conversation sound very similar to the concerns and the talking points that we went through at that time. And if you look at other cities around the country who have all struggled with the best way to find a good balance on this topic, there are a lot of best practices that have been assembled over the years of people trying things, then working on them and then coming up with something better. And I like that the mayor is taking some time now to take a look at this and figure out how they can improve on what's already in place. And the folks in Cincinnati who've kind of done this work, we're happy to sit down with the folks in Covington because you have so many things that are similar to what we've gone through. I think we can help everybody out to strike a balance because Covington is going through an incredible renaissance. But there has to be a balance between the the interests of Airbnb owners and finding a sustainable way for us to operate with uh, with the intention of being good neighbors. And I, I think it's nice that you guys are starting this conversation instead of everyone uh, sort of retreating to their corners and pointing fingers. Okay. Thank you so much, Eric. I sure appreciate that. We will continue our conversation in just a moment. And later in the program, we'll talk about what will happen if the U.S. Supreme Court rules against President Biden's plan for student debt relief. This is Cincinnati Edition. This is Cincinnati Edition on 91.7 WVXU. I'm Lucy May. We continue our conversation about the city of Covington's efforts to regulate short-term rentals with Covington Mayor Joe Meyer, Mutter Goddess Neighborhood Association President, Brandon Gallus, Airbnb owner and operator Alden Ashby, and Airbnb owner and operator Kelsey Smith. You can join the conversation by calling 513-419-7100 or emailing talk at wvxu.org. We did get an email about this topic, um, and it's a lengthy email. I'm not going to read it all. It's from Janet in Dayton, Ohio. Some of her comments relate more to Ohio than Kentucky, but one of the comments she made was, if you really want to understand who owns the places where neighborhood disruptions are taking place, you don't do that by solely focusing on the small percentage that are easy to find. You look at all the residences where the owners don't live and work from there. Any study that doesn't take this kind of comprehensive look at all rental owners' uses and problems is not an effort to understand. It's an effort to target a specific type of landlords for some other agenda. Um, And, Mayor, that just made me think, is this uh, Covington, uh, are you all looking at kind of rental properties generally? Are, are you pretty certain that these complaints have come from Airbnb properties or short-term rentals versus long-term rentals? Covington has a comprehensive licensure scheme for any form of rental. So anybody who has an apartments is required to get a city license, and that property is subject to inspection. Uh, on on a f- fairly regular basis, so uh, requiring a license for a short term rental is just consistent with the way we treat all of the licensed, uh, all of the rental properties within the city. And ha- Mayor, have you had people who have applied for these short term rental licenses and been denied? I guess I wonder if it's a a process where some folks just don't meet the qualifications for whatever reason. The qualifications at this stage are pretty generic, and one of the big concerns has been the concentration of a number of short-term rentals within a block or within just a a very dense area. Mm -hmm. So there have been folks who have been denied because there were so many other short-term rentals within the immediate uh, 
uh, area that uh, the decision was made. It was too much. It was, it was too great of a concentration. Kelsey, I want to bring you back into the conversation. I heard, I, I tweeted out about this conversation and immediately got a, a response from a Covington resident who said that um, she's not as worried about disruptions or, or parties or anything like that, but she feels like the argument is that fewer t- long-term residents, that means fewer kids in schools, fewer residents overall, a, a lower census count, all of which impacts the city in, in some unfortunate ways. What do you think about that? Um, I do think that there is kind of an oversaturation in the mind of those who are thinking about Airbnbs. Alden actually has some numbers on how many Airbnbs there are. Um, But we do have um, a lot of us that do operate short-term rentals also have long-term properties. Um, I do. I live in a triplex and there are other regular tenants there. So it's not um, only short-term people that a lot of us business owners that are in this space are dealing with. And may I chime in real quick? So Mm -hmm. just to point out that number. So as far as um, the last census that was done, Covington has 200, 402, uh, sorry, 20,450 housing units. Of those housing units, 50% roughly are rentals, long-term rentals. If you actually look at the number of actual Airbnb listings, meaning people who have their home listing, this as an example, she has two units, but she has three listings for it because she has one unit where you can rent the whole property out. So if you factor that number in, there's roughly 294 Airbnbs in the area. That is 0.028 of a percent. So as far as that number actually affecting rental rates, I, I just the math doesn't add up. What do you think, Mayor? If Airbnbs, if short-term rentals were evenly distributed throughout the city, it wouldn't be a big deal. Unfortunately, they're concentrated in just a few neighborhoods, and it's that concentration within a few neighborhoods that helps create the problem. I've been talking to several neighborhoods lately, and uh, a a constant uh, concern is the oversaturation of short-term rentals, the desire for uh, more distribution, a desire to protect the neighborliness of of the, uh, uh, the the community, all of which are put at risk when you have uh, too many short-term rentals, turns it from a neighborhood into a hotel district, mm-hmm. and that is a uh, a very consistent concern. Another concern is that uh, all three neighborhoods that I visited want owners close by. Why? So that they can respond in the event of problems. You know, if you're not licensed and you've got a, there's a problem at your property, the city nor the neighbors have a way to get in touch with the owners, uh, the operators of the, of the short-term rental. And so we have found that our neighborhoods say, we want host-occupied Airbnbs because they're good neighbors. We want, many of them have suggested that there be a distance requirement that owners have to live within a certain distance of the facility so that they can be responsive to complaints and problems associated with their operation. Brandon, are there concerns too about affordable housing, even as a very, very small percentage of Covington's overall housing, as as Alden mentioned, there is a, a shrinking number of affordable housing units in Northern Kentucky. We've seen just over the past couple of years, hundreds of units disappear for various reasons. Do you think that's a concern among residents? It is, absolutely. So uh, with this economic resurgence that Covington's been experiencing, 
we're seeing a lot of houses that were renting for lower rates changing hands, uh, and they're getting replaced by higher rent units or owner-occupied units or people turning them into short-term rentals, and that's just removing housing stock in key areas that people would identify would need the affordable housing to kind of support the local businesses and the restaurants and what in the workforce that uh, would live in those areas because of the proximity to their place of work definitely is a concern. Mm. Alden, I know um, Brandon touched on this a little bit before, but there are economic benefits to short-term rentals. Can you talk to us a little bit about your your argument for that? Yeah. So one of them I want to jump automatically to. So um, Liberty Hill Rentals, they have a they have three units on the Covington side of the river that they manage. Um, the owners of that property, um, they were subsidizing some of the original tenants' lower rental rates by having that Airbnb income coming in. Now, once that property is about to change hands with the moratorium on Airbnbs, I'm really curious to know what those new owners are going to do because at the purchase price that they bought it at, I don't think they're going to be able to keep those renters in there at their current rates, which these are senior citizens and they're right now renting it roughly $480 to $500 a unit. That Those units have to go up, especially if they're going to renovate with the way mortgage rates are and all of that. So the next thing that I want to point out is I think that there are just some common characteristics. So she has uh, her Airbnbs, something that she does and I also do, which is we pay people to pick up trash in front of our properties because we want them to look good. Every single time you have a guest stay at your property, they leave you a review. And if your property doesn't look spick and span, you have any litter around your grounds, any of that stuff, you will be reviewed as soon as they check out. The next thing is she knows all of her neighbors. She is a great Airbnb host. I am as well. If any of my neighbors tell me that there's a party or there's something going on in our property, I am quick to get on the phone. And if they do not listen and shut the party down, I immediately get in my car and I drive there. And I always have somebody on. And we are good Airbnb hosts. And I think there's a very big difference between us and others. Did you want to talk about the economic impact of having people come clean the units and that sort yes. of thing? Yes. So that's that. one of the things I'll jump to. So from just the cleaners in the city alone, these are numbers I went over with um, Ed Feldman and Eat Suites, and roughly the amount of income is between one million to one point two million on just the cleaners alone. That is the economic impact of cleaners who are trying to live in the city of Covington, and that is an affordable rate. Those are people who are probably pulling in roughly. These are people making on average between twenty-two to twenty-eight dollars uh, an hour, and you're taking away the, the, their economic opportunity to live in Covington by taking away their income. This does not even bring into the bigger picture of you have contractors, you have HVAC. There's just so much more that goes into operating these Airbnbs than just us being on it, you know, saying, here's the code, welcome to the unit. Mayor, I imagine that's something you all have taken into consideration. Um, indeed we have. And if people really have just such huge investments and, and are so concerned, why won't they take the extra step of being licensed for a license cost of $30 so that we can make sure that the rules are being applied consistently across the board. We do. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, just to that point, as a uh, when I moved to Covington, I purchased a uh, multifamily home and with the intention to rent it out. And so it was very clear when I came in, contacted the city, say, hey, I want to rent it out. So I went through the licensing process, got my inspection. Um, we recently did redid all of the uh, code of ordinances to kind of get them aligned and modernized. And that moved Airbnb from a and short-term rentals from a approved use the, to a conditional use, and it has to go through the uh, board of review to uh, get approved. And that part, I think, is, as a resident, is pretty straightforward. Like, if you want to do that, you have to talk to the city and get get the approvals and do all that. 
What's not clear, I think, is the uh, approval that occurs during the board meeting. And there's a lot of uh, subjective content that is used to weigh whether or not properties are going to contribute to the density or if they have off-street parking or, uh, you know, just the general concentration of the Airbnbs and whatnot and the owner itself and their other properties that they operate in the city. So I think that that is a part where there's a lot of confusion for a lot of investors where they don't really understand if I want to do a short-term rental, what, how do I get approved? You have to go before the board and get, uh, get approval, but the content or the judgment criteria is very not um, clear. I do and, want to and, take... and we agree with that, Lucy. Mm-hmm. We have a couple callers waiting. Thomas, thank you so much for your call. Can you briefly tell us what your question or comment is? Yes, ma'am. Thank you for having me on. Um, my, my concern is more chiefly not so much the economic impact, but the, the, the sheer nature of the short-term rental means that a long-term family cannot stand up there. A given property that cannot be used for a, a family to live and permanently reside there means that that's one less uh, option that a family may have to move into the area and to live there. So while it, you mentioned the low percentages early, while it might not overall drive up rent, it does ultimately reduce the livable households where a family can set up shop and reduces their options. And the more that gets stood up, the more that inventory problem becomes a concern. Thank you, Thomas. We have another caller on the line. Chris, thank you so much for your call. Could you briefly tell us what your comment or question is? Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Hi, Chris. Can you, um, yeah. So- Yes, I can hear you. So I'm calling, uh, I'd like to speak specifically to um, the issue, the economic impact. Um, by my calculation, it's it's not possible that housekeepers in Covington were paid less than a million dollars last year. You have a lot of um, Airbnbs and short-term rentals set up around the main strass, and I think they probably at a minimum spent about $5 million at businesses around main strass. And then obviously you have the benefits of the homeowners and other people. And so obviously the moratorium has taken all of that away for the most part, almost all of it. Um, and I'm, I'm just curious why making all of these people unemployed and hurting their pocketbook is worth it to the mayor when he has not been able to describe a single benefit of the moratorium. Um, there's lots of costs, lots of people getting hurt. And, and where are the benefits? Thanks, Chris. Mayor, did you want to respond to that? The benefit is uh, ensuring the, the improvement of the quality of life in the city where these uh, short-term rentals are occupied. It's also important that uh, we have compliance with the laws. And when you have 90% of the short-term rentals not being licensed, uh, we are not in a position where we can help protect our neighborhoods nor is the city in a position where it can collect the tax revenue uh, that it's due either through the licensure or the business license or the other fees that uh, that apply. I've been talking with Covington Mayor Joe Meyer, Mutter Goddess Neighborhood Association President Brandon Gallus, Airbnb owner and operator Alden Ashby, and Airbnb owner and operator Kelsey Smith. Thank you all so much for your time today. It was a great conversation. Could have gone on a lot longer. <laughs> Up next, we'll talk about what will happen if the U.S. Supreme Court rules against President Biden's plan for student debt relief. This is Cincinnati Edition.